the Seattle Opera Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners and opera fans. It's Jonathan Dean, Seattle Opera Dramaturg and occasional post-show talkback host, here with Il Trovatore 101, a podcast to prep your ears for the extraordinary sounds of Il Trovatore, the wildest opera by the person many consider opera's greatest composer, coming to Seattle Opera in January of 2019. Please subscribe to and rate and review our Seattle Opera podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. Il Trovatore is one of the world's most beloved operas. It's got music you will recognize. It's full of music that fires up the blood. Trovatore has music to tug at your heartstrings. And Il Trovatore is a musical proving ground for ambitious opera singers, ones bold enough to demand you sit up and give them a listen. The great tenor Enrico Caruso once said, producing Il Trovatore is easy. All you need is the four greatest singers in the world. More so than many operas, this one really is a singing contest. A game of four square set up between a soprano, a mezzo, a tenor, and a baritone. And let's not forget the bass. The plot is completely outrageous, an over-the-top tragedy that dives down into some of the darkest elements of the human experience. But Il Trovatore really isn't about its plot. It's about humanity, our unfathomable capacities for both good and evil, and how we express that humanity with our voices. Il Trovatore occupies a curious position in the history of opera, It was a turning point in opera's never-ending war between singing for the sake of song and singing for the sake of story. When opera is truly successful, it fuses story and song so that you can't tell them apart. That's the job of all four of our leads in Il Trovatore, to embody in their voice both a character in a story and a basic human archetype. The opera is named The Troubadour, after the character sung by the tenor Manrico. He's a troubadour, that is, a medieval singer-songwriter, and also a warrior leading a rebel army in a civil war. He sings lovely troubadour music, accompanying himself on his lute. Thank <laughs> you. 
And Manrico also has to sing warrior music to rally his troops and storm the enemy castle. Manrico is an idealized character, a complete man who has developed both his gentle artistic side and his strong fighting side. His antagonist in this plot is our baritone, the Count di Luna, his opposite in the civil war that's going on in the story, as well as his rival for the affections of our heroine. Di Luna, likewise, has two sides to him. He's not an artist, but he sings love music of extraordinary tenderness. But Di Luna's assertive side has become twisted into vicious sadism, probably as a result of jealousy and a lifetime of understanding that he'll always be second choice. These two guys are fighting over our soprano, Leonora. She's a lovely medieval maiden and one of the most demanding roles ever written for soprano. Leonora's part requires endless reserves of breath for long melodies that slowly blossom into radiance. And she needs coloratura agility for high-wire trapeze acts. Leonora also must summon heroic power to dominate noisy ensembles. And most of all, Leonora's must deftly send pianissimo high notes wafting up to caress the hair on the backs of the necks of the opera lovers in the top balcony.
while soprano and baritone and tenor are playing out their love triangle story, the real heart of the opera is the tragic character sung by the mezzo-soprano, and that's Azucena. Azucena's tragedy is so awful, there's a long history of people laughing at it so they don't have to take her seriously. She's been described as crazy. More accurately, she's someone who has been deeply traumatized and who suffers from flashbacks. PTSD. It's a real thing. And Verdi put it on stage in an opera long before modern medicine started to figure out how to help people heal from trauma. Azucena's tragedy may remind you of the very worst things that people are capable of doing to each other. It starts with prejudice and scapegoating and then becomes cruelty and revenge and then revenge for that revenge, obsessing into a family curse that gets passed on for generations or a war that's been going on for so long no one even remembers how it began. All we know is we've got to destroy the other side. Here's Azucena brainwashing Manrico, who thinks he's her son, that his mission in life is to destroy her enemies. And Manrico promises to do her bidding. The great miracles of Il Trovatore is how this extremely dark story, which includes huge amounts of death, war and execution and suicide, as well as parents killing children and brothers killing brothers, motivates such appealing music. But these phenomena aren't mutually exclusive. Modern opera began when Renaissance Italy discovered Greek tragedy. And as in Greek tragedy, all the terrible action of Il Trovatore happens off stage. All the torture and mayhem and tossing babies into fiery pits and human vultures scavenging on battlefields. Following the Renaissance, opera evolved pretty quickly into Baroque opera seria, where every few minutes some new plot twist gives the characters reason to step to the footlights and sing another extraordinary number. That kind of opera depends on superstar singers who tell you the story but don't necessarily become the character. Their performances are more presentational than immersive. Modern or method acting doesn't really help because that's not how bel canto operas were conceived. In Il Trovatore, Verdi takes the material of Greek tragedy and the structure of bel canto opera seria and fuses them with 19th century romantic melodrama to create something entirely new and massively potent. In this opera, and the operas Verdi wrote just before and just after, Rigoletto and La Traviata, this genius pushed back the boundaries of his art form and his society. All three operas focus on characters who are outcasts, rejects, victims of discrimination, 
in Rigoletto, that's a person who looks different, who is treated as a monster because of his appearance. In Il Trovatore, that's Azucena, who is both an oppressed ethnic minority and a traumatized person with mental health issues. And in La Traviata, that's a fallen woman, a former sex worker with a terrible disease. In Rome, in 1853, when Il Trovatore was premier, there was as yet no Italy. Such characters weren't generally welcome on the opera stage. Magnificent opera voices had traditionally been used to confer stature and dignity on noble characters, gods and heroes and aristocrats, but Verdi found stature and dignity and music of extraordinary beauty in characters who were outcast, marginalized, oppressed. All human beings have souls that sing. Verdi found music for these souls, and we've been listening to it ever since. He was a great composer, a great Italian, and a great human. Whenever I get bogged down thinking about how wretched and awful humanity can be, the music of Verdi reminds me that we also have the capacity for good. We can sink to unfathomable depths, but we also share a yearning, an aspiration for the utmost heights. Thanks for listening to our Il Trovatore 101 podcast. The Seattle Opera podcast is a co-production of Seattle Opera and King FM. Find more episodes at your favorite podcast provider or at seattleopera.org or king.org. This is Jonathan Dean. Musical examples from Seattle Opera's 1997 and 2010 archival recordings of Il Trovatore with Carol Venances Leonora, Malgrid Sata-Valewska as Azucena, Antonello Palombi, and Gigam Gregorian as Manrico, and Gordon Hawkins as Count Di Luna. The chorus and orchestra of Seattle Opera were conducted in 1997 by Antonello Alamandi and in 2010 by Eve Abel. <laughs>